benefit is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You may be seated. Our theme this year, uh, as I said last week, our theme this year has been roots. Getting back to the basics of our faith, the beginning of our faith. I was talking with uh, Brian before the service, and uh, he was telling me about a friend of his that has kind of, uh, during this time, has really kind of changed and is really looking towards the truth of the Word of God, away from the way he was raised. And, and we're just kind of talking about the way the choice is for many people today. It's one of the, some people are just, that have been faithful for years and following Christ for years are just turning away now. But others are finally seeing the light of the truth of the gospel and they're turning to Christ. I, I think the, I know the important thing for us as followers of Jesus is this, that we keep our eyes on him, that we keep ourselves in the word, and that we believe what the Bible says over what anybody else tells us. That has got to be our standard. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But the word of God has to be our standard. I think the, as we've talked about this, the, the time we're in, the times we're in right now, are pleading, as far as the church goes, are pleading for Christians, for followers of Christ, to stand up, to be counted as his, to stay strong in our faith, not to be belligerent, not to be nasty, but to be willing to make sacrifices of our, from ourselves in order to stand for Jesus Christ. We've got to put him first. We've got to put him first in our, in our lives. We've got to put him first in our jobs. We've got to put him first in our family. He has got to be the main thing for us right now. The hardest part of living for Christ is making the choice to follow him and making the choice to allow his teachings to weave itself and themselves into every area of our lives. We can't simply be a Christian and then be a citizen, a Christian and then be a father. We have to be a Christian father. We have to be a Christian mother. We have to be a Christian citizen. We have to be a Christian friend. We have to be a Christian employee. Everything we do must be infiltrated by the word of God and the teachings of Jesus Christ. We have that choice to make. And I think once we've made that choice to follow him, I believe the bigger choice we must make is what will our level of commitment be? Where will you fall on the spectrum of commitment to Jesus Christ? Will, be it, will it be a sometime thing? Will it be a convenience thing? Or will it truly be a life choice? We've been talking about that with the Beatitudes. And we've come to the Beatitude where Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. John Piper said this, he said, the heart is what you are in the secrecy of your thought and feeling when nobody knows but God. And what you are at the invisible root matters as much to God as what you are at the visible branch. What you present to people, it, it's more important to Jesus that 
on the inside, you are true to him. Because he knows that if you're true to him on the inside, what you present to the outside world will be truth from him as well. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says that man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Matthew 15, 18 through 19 says what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, for out of the, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a man. Then Jesus also said in Matthew 12, 33 and 34, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right there in Matthew 12, Jesus told us very simply, very plainly, make a choice. Make a choice. Either live your life for me or don't live your life for me. Don't dawdle in the middle. Okay? Don't fool around. Don't mess around in the middle. One or the other. Now, quickly reviewing the first two parts of this sermon, uh, I asked the question, what does it mean to be pure in heart? And some definitions for pure in heart, for being pure were generally to be clean, able to be used, talking about like a cup or a dish. Ethically, it's free from corrupt desire, from sin and guilt, and personally, to be sincere and genuine, blameless, innocent, unstained with the guilt of anything. That's what it means to be pure in heart. If you want to know what it means to be pure in heart, it means simply to be pure, to be willing to be used, to have honest desires in your heart to serve Jesus Christ, to serve for his kingdom and, no, and nothing else, to serve for his kingdom and nothing else, not for the blessings that you'll come. Listen, I know we sing about blessings. That's one of the, one of the problems with uh, prosperity theology that's going on today. And a lot of, there's a lot of music. Mary, Jonathan, Aaron, and I were having conversations yesterday. We talked about, we were talking about worship and some worship songs that we won't sing here because we're not about the prosperity gospel here. Listen, Jesus doesn't always promise to have your wallet be full. He says, I'm going to supply all that you need. And what he says is, if you will commit to walk with me, I will walk with you and I will carry you when you need me to carry you. I will see you through those difficult times. I will help you when the road gets rocky. I'll be a covering for you in the middle of the storm. But you have to be willing to commit to follow him even through the storm. Said it, in order to be pure in heart and live pure in heart, we need to be singularly focused, not mixed with other loves or passions. It means to be protective of our testimony, of our worldview, and of our ethics and morality, but at the same time, I said it means to be free. And I remember I gave you this Kirk Franklin quote, if you don't have nail print, if they don't have nail prints in their hands or scars on their forehead, you don't owe them an explanation. Next week, I asked the question, how do we live with a pure heart? Because after all, that's the big idea. That's how, it's great to know the things of the word, but if you don't know how to apply them practically, Listen, all you, then, then you'll, win tri you'll win Bible trivia pursuit, and that's wonderful. But we need to be able to live this every day. First thing I said was not, we're not to live the way society lives. And it seems today that so much of Christianity and so much of the church is trying to ride the line. 
And we're trying to be as close to the line as we possibly can be without crossing over. The only problem is sometimes you end up crossing over. And when we cross over, we lose our focus and we start to go that way more and more and more. The bottom line is it really doesn't matter how close you are to the line or not. The Bible must be your source, period. The Bible must be your source of all things. We've been taught a better way that honors God, and that's turning away from our old life and making up our minds to follow a different path. Living well as a follower of Christ, I said, uh, re requires a pure heart. It's a heart issue, pure and simple. True followers of Jesus are loyal and faithful to the call on their lives, and <clears throat> you can't fake it till you make it. Said the love that we display towards others extends directly from the love we have for God. The love we display to others directly comes from the love we have for God. If, you love, if your love for him is pure, your love for others is more likely to be pure. The last thing I said was it means that we lead with God's love. Listen, if you will commit to leading with God's love in your life, in your relationships, in your work, it doesn't matter what you're called to do, you will do it. Because you know that the love of God compels you to follow his plan. That brings us to the last part of this sermon. Why does living with a pure heart matter? Understand what living with a pure heart is now. We understand um, how to live with a pure heart. But why does it matter? I, one of my favorite movies uh, is Field of Dreams. Surprise, surprise, right? Love Field of Dreams. And Field of Dreams, it's about baseball. But the underlying theme of, baseball, uh, of Field of Dreams is the relationship of fathers and sons and the connection that baseball brings between so many fathers and so many sons. As I think back to my childhood, my honestly, the earliest memory I have of my dad is being in the backyard of our house in Great Lakes, on, living on Great Lakes Naval Base in Illinois, and my dad throwing me a baseball. And us having a catch, him teaching me how to, how to play catch. It's the earliest memory I have of my father. I love, when, when there was nothing else in our lives, if, if we were just sitting down and, and the conversation grew dull, uh, my dad and I, he'll say, did you see the Red Sox? I'll say, Dad, you know I don't watch the Red Sox. I watch the Dodgers. And we'll just talk, we'll talk baseball. There's always that commonality to come back to. And in that movie, at the end of it, if you've ever seen it, the main character goes through, he's, the, saw, the, the, the phrase, if you build it, he will come, comes from that movie, go the distance, all these things. And at the very end of it, he's wondering why He's been asked to do all this stuff. And he says, I've done everything. But I, but, 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 and uh, shoeless Joe Jackson looks at me and says, he's asking him what he wants. And he says, what's in it for me? He said, really? Is that what you did? He says, well, I've done everything you've asked for me, but what's in it for me? And he said, is that really why you did this? Is it really why you did this? 
to find out what's in it for you. I think many times in our lives as Christians, we think that way, don't we? What's in it for me? What's in it for me in following Christ? What do I get out of it? And listen, Jesus talks about how he'll bless our lives. He talks about the joy that we'll have. He'll talk, he talks about the peace that we have in our lives. He talks about the blessings that we'll have. But listen, folks, I, we are the, the, next, the next one, the next uh, beatitude that we talk about is the one that talks about what we don't like to talk about. Those who are persecuted for their faith. Aaron and I were, were talking about this last night. And we think persecution is like being burned at the stake. And this guy, you wait until we talk about what be living your life, being willing to be persecuted and still be happy about being a Christian. Because there's a whole lot of Christians that can't handle that right now. But Jesus says to, uh, he, he promises a lot of things. But what's in it for you is not what this lifestyle is about. What's in it for you is not what living with a pure heart is all about. Understand that. And that's what, that's what makes so many Christians turn away. Because they open up their app of their bank and they look at their bank account and they don't see... Ma uh, magical blessings financially that God, it always comes down to finances for us, doesn't it, as Christians? It's always about the finances. God's not blessing me because I'm not rich. Now, maybe that's not what's in it for you. Why does living with a pure heart matter? Let me tell you, if you are looking for the answer to what's in it for me, this message isn't for you. Because what's in it for you is not what living for Jesus is all about. What's in it for you is not what living the life of a faithful follower of Jesus Christ is all about. What's in it for you is secondary to what is in it for the kingdom of God. What is in it for others. Let's get into this. Why does living with a pure heart matter? Because the world needs to see Jesus in you. You'll never be perfect. How many of you have ever said that? I'm not perfect. Don't expect me to be perfect. I'm not perfect. Well, let me, say, let me tell you something. Let me, let, me just, let, me just, let me just clear that up right now. You're never going to be perfect. Okay? I'm never going to be perfect. Not going to happen. We're never going to be perfect. But here's the good news, Christian. The bar isn't that high. Perfection is not the bar that Jesus has set for us. You understand that? He has not set the bar for his followers at perfection. So if you're trying to be perfect, if you're trying to be perfect in everything you do, you're never going to make it. Sometimes good enough is enough. Sometimes meeting the, the quota, as it, as it were, is enough. Sometimes, listen, check this out. Check this out, Christian. Sometimes survival is enough. Sometimes just getting through the moment is enough. 
Sometimes a successful, hey, we all know, we all know people that struggle with addiction. We all know people who struggle with anger issues. We all know people that struggle, and some of us, <laughs> we could point the fingers right to us, right? We all know people who struggle with, with things that beset us every day. Can I tell you something, Christian? Getting through a day with victory sometimes is enough. And you have to be willing to do it one day at a time. Hey, married couples, it has to be enough sometimes to make it through one day without hating each other. Sometimes you have to be willing to make it through one day at a time so, you, you, so that you don't wreck what you've invested a life in. Sometimes you need to be willing to not put the bar for your spouse so high that they'll never reach it. Sometimes you just have to be willing to accept good enough. Because good enough today will turn into better tomorrow and better the next day and more than enough, and more than enough, and more, and it will keep building and building and building. Living well and forward progress are what matter. It takes determination to live for a cause greater than you, greater than your desires, greater than your needs. Until we all realize that living for Jesus must be first and above all else, we will never fully understand or have the pure heart for service that he calls us to. You see, you need your Daniel moment. You need your Daniel moment in your life. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 says, Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. You see, Daniel knew that in order for him to honor God, in order for him to ever have the strength to stand for what was right, he needed to deny himself and honor his God. Not give in to what he was. Oh, it's all right. It's all right. I can handle it. Okay. All right. While you're, while you're handling it, while you're struggling to handle it, People are lost and dying and going to hell. What Daniel did was say, I'm not even going to try to handle it. I'm not even going to try to handle it. It has no value in my life. It has no purpose in my life. It's just something I like to do. So therefore, I'm just, gonna, I'm just not going to even try it. I'm not going to even have it in my life. I'm going to cut it out completely. I'm going to take a stand right here, and I'm not going to go that way. Oh, you may think you can hang out with friends that are going to take you to places that you know you shouldn't be. I know for some of you, this is like flashbacks to old school, right? But those old pastors that used to preach pure living, they were right. You, you become the crowd you hang out with. And you hang out with the wrong crowd, guess who you become? The wrong crowd. Daniel said, I, I'm done with that. I'm drawing a line right here and I'm going no further. This is where I stand. Didn't matter if people mocked him. Didn't matter if people made fun of him. 
He said, this is where I am. Listen, it's not that hard. Let me give you an example. And I, and I know I'm a pastor. I know, I know. This is my life. This is what I'm, whatever. Okay, I still have to make the same choice as you do. I was, con I, I subbed on Friday. I was confronted with a situation where I could have backed out, could have backed away from the, the confrontation. Not a confrontation, the conversation. I was subbing for English, finally a subject I knew something about because they put me in chemistry, they put me in all these weird classes and I have no clue. Latin, I subbed for Latin. E pluribus unum, I guess, I don't know. So there was really no assignment, so they started talking and the conversation got around to athletics and some of the guys were talking and long story short, started talking about steroids and they asked me a question about it and I said, you know, it really comes down to a choice, a moral choice, are you going to uh, you know, are, are you going to make that choice? And I said, quite honestly, if, if, you're, if your choice is between working a, a low-level job that's paid hourly, breaking your back for a weekly paycheck, or taking a shot and being able to make $10 million a year playing sports, that's the question you have to ask for yourself. And I left it there. They kept talking. They said, well, Mr. Chase, what would you do? Wow. Okay. This just got real. I said, well, and I, I, I promise you this is exactly what I said. I said, well, I hope I don't offend anybody here, but you asked me the question, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you my answer. I said, I'm a Christian, and I'm a pastor. And I live my life according to the teachings of the Bible. And according to the teachings of the Bible, I'm supposed to live life with morality taught to me in the Bible. So if I'm going to live according to the morality of the Bible, I guess I would be working a job making an hourly wage and a paycheck every week because I couldn't make that choice that causes me to do something illegal just so that I can make more money. It got real quiet for a little while. Then they started talking about something else. Well, the bell rang and that class ended and two girls came up to the desk and they said, Mr. Chase, can we talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. They said, now, let me, let me tell you, I've talked to Aaron, I've prayed about this a lot, and I was looking for leadership, and I'm not, I was not planning on going back to the high school next year. It's a lot of work. Um, I do get to study while I'm there. I take attendance. I tell them to look at Google Classroom, and then I can watch boxing videos on YouTube if I want. But I usually work on my sermons or things like that. But I wasn't going to go back because it's, it's really, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, and they said, can subs sponsor clubs? I said, I don't know. You'd have to ask the principal about that. I don't know. I, and then I said, because I kind of knew what was coming. I said, well, what club do you want? Are you interested in starting? And the girl, <laughs> little girl looked at me and she said, well, Last class, you said you're a pastor and you're a Christian and you believe in the Bible. And we've been trying to start a Bible club here. We can't get anybody to sponsor it. And we were wondering if you'd be willing 
were wondering if you'd be willing to sponsor our Bible club. Man, at that moment, I had to make a choice. Be real honest with you. Because I didn't want to go back next year. And I said, girls, one of them, Dick Callback, his granddaughter, man that helped start this church. I said, well, girls, if you want me to sponsor your Bible club, I'll come back next year and I'll work here. Listen, that might not seem like a lot to people, but it's a big part of my day. And it is a big sacrifice of my time. But I cannot stand up here and preach and say that my life has got to matter and your life has got to matter and not be willing to live it out there when God so clearly opens a door for kids that need somebody on their side. Listen, I don't care if it's those two girls. I'll sponsor the club. If it'll help them to grow stronger in their faith. If it'll help them and give them the strength they need to be able to continue to live for him. There's so much against them, young people in this world today. Listen, folks, we are all faced with those choices every day of our lives. What are you going to do? What choice are you going to make? Are you determined like Daniel to stand and live for God no matter the cost? The choice you make for living for Jesus Christ or not is the difference between people seeing Jesus or not seeing Jesus. You see, Jesus addressed this as well in Matthew 5, verses 15 and 16, when he said, No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Let your light shine. You were not, listen, what Jesus is saying here, to break this down and get to the heart of it, what Jesus is saying is, when you accepted me as your Savior, I saved you to give you eternal life. That was the main thing. I saved you so that you could have eternal life and escape hell and live in heaven for eternity with me because he wants to spend eternity with you. That's why he saved you. But he left you here so that you can be a light in the darkness. Christian, that's your purpose. That's your purpose, to be a light in the darkness. It's not to vote for the right people politically. It's not to, it's, it's not to comment and win every Facebook argument. It's not even to combat the misinformation in social media. It's to live for Jesus. It's to present people the choice of Jesus. What they do with that choice is up to them. Don't think that Jesus doesn't love you. Don't think he doesn't care about you. Doesn't, don't think he has left you all alone. As I said before, if you want more of Jesus in your life, put more of Jesus in your life. Open your heart up to more of Jesus in your life. Not only did Jesus tell us that, but we see the pure heart living principle lived out by Peter and John. My absolute favorite story in the Bible is found in Acts chapter 3. 
verses 1 through 10. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg for those, from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. Peter and John, listen, these were guys that walked with Jesus. These were guys that were taught. These were the inner circle of Jesus. Look what they said. We don't have any money to give you. Well, there goes the, there goes the God only wants to fill your pockets with money principle, right? So I don't have any money to give to you. The only thing I have to give to you is Jesus. And that's all that matters. Because they didn't give him money. They gave him what he needed. They gave him Jesus. And Jesus met his need. And Jesus was what gave that man joy. He, was, he wasn't walking and leaping and praising Peter and John. He was walking and leaping and praising God. When was the last time you can say you walked and you leaped and you jumped and you ran and you yelled from your heart praises to Jesus Christ? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe you don't have the joy in your heart that is supposed to be there for a follower of Jesus. Well, we find, we find the aftermath of this miraculous event in Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 5, because Peter and John, while some people praised God and some people were happy, some people weren't too excited about what he had done. And it included the religious leaders. And in Acts chapter 4, verses 5 through 14, it said, The next day their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. After they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them, By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, Rulers of the people, of, of, uh, people and elders, if we are being examined today for a good deed done to a disabled man by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel, by that the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom you raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders. He didn't say by the builders. He said the stone rejected by you builders. He was making this personal. See, we're so afraid to offend people with Jesus today. We're so afraid to offend people with truth today. I'm not talking about going around and just being obnoxious. But listen, folks, 
You have got, I get so much heat for saying I don't care. Can I give you an honest response to that? I don't care. Okay, you know why? Because I honestly don't care what people think of me because of the way I stand. What I care about is what they think of Jesus. And if I'm going to live my life in such a way that I'm so terrified to mention the name of Jesus or the fact that I follow the word of God and live according to the, the truths of the Bible, that I might as well just walk away from church and, and never mention the name of Jesus again because I'm going to be useless for the kingdom of God. You have got to get to the point in your life where it doesn't matter what people think of your faith. I care, but I care about their eternal soul. I don't care about their opinion of me. I care about their opinion of Jesus. Oh, well, you come across that way, you're going to... No, 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 no. You don't have to be disagreeable. But you do have to disagree. You see, if you go along with what they say, if you capitulate to their false teaching, if you allow their slander of the word of God to stand, then you are as culpable as they are. I don't allow it. I don't care who it is. I've talked to the vice principal at this high school that way. Listen, I got a job already. I've got people I minister to. I've got things I do. I, and I've told them, listen, guys, I'm here to help you out. That's the only reason I'm here. I'm not, it's not, I'm not doing you a favor. You needed help. I'm here. If you don't need me anymore, just tell me, okay? I am not, what I'm saying there is I am not so concerned about the money I make from, from from making sure kids are eating lunch or subbing, that I'm going to compromise my testimony for Jesus Christ. You have got to be, get beyond the point of worrying about what your friend, young people, you've got to stop worrying about what your, your young people, your, your friends think about your faith. Listen, I, you know what I'd tell them? I'd say you're a hypocrite. You tell me you can be whatever you want to be. Well, I'm being whatever I want to be. I accept you for who you are. Why can't you accept me for who I am? Throw a Bible verse out of them. Before you worry about the speck in my eye, take the beam out of yours. Because you're not seeing me with truth. You're not giving me the same benefit of the doubt. Now, I've listened to everything you've had to say. Let me tell you what I think. It's fair. We can still be friends. I can, we can still love each other. But we need to be on level ground. That's the way you're going to make a difference. Not by becoming who they are, who they want you to be just for their friendship. You've got to get beyond the desire and the need for friendship. Peter went on, he said, there's salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John, listen to this, man. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John, they realized they were uneducated and untrained men. These were knucklehead fishermen, man. That's what these, that's what these guys were. They hadn't been to synagogue school. They hadn't been taught all this stuff. They were just menial Fishermen. They were just, they were on the lower, lower rungs of society. That's who these guys were. But when they realized 
that they were uneducated and untrained men, but they spoke with amazing boldness for God. They were amazed. And look at what the last part of that verse says. And recognized that they had been with Jesus. Mm. The boldness in their life, standing for truth, standing for what was right, doing what God told them to do, not what men told them to do, showed a boldness in their lives, and it showed Jesus to others. Folks, that's living with a pure heart. That's living with pure motive and pure intention. Living with a pure heart matters because it shows others that you believe that God's word is true. It shows people that you believe God's commission on your life is true. You know, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The great commission to go out and tell the world about Jesus Christ and to live them as an old, uh, an old saint said, live Jesus, or, or tell people about Jesus, and sometimes don't use words. In other words, live it. I believe that was John Wesley. It lets people know that you believe God's promises are true. Let people, lets people know that you live and serve with no fear or doubt, that courage and compassion and confidence are what mark your walk with Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us himself in this beatitude why it matters so much to live with a pure heart. The very end of the statement Jesus gives about living with a pure, about the pure in heart says, they shall see God. They shall see God. What does that mean? Well, that speaks to seeing something with open eyes as if seeing something amazing. What Jesus is saying here is this, if you will live and follow me with a pure heart, if you will serve me with a pure heart, if you will represent me to a world in need of salvation with a pure heart, well, you're gonna see God. You're going to see the power of God. You're going to see the reflection of God. You're going to see the works of God. Remember what he told his disciples? He said, you're going to do greater works than these. He wasn't talking about miracles and signs. He was talking about reaching. Listen to what, look at what we do. Do you realize that our little church in East Longmeadow, Massachusetts has, has reached more people around the world than Jesus himself, and I'm talking Jesus in his three-year ministry, ever did? You realize that? Local churches today that have the ability to go online and have the ability to use mass communication to reach others have a greater opportunity to reach more people than Jesus did in his time of ministry. That's what he was trying to tell us. Listen, you're going to have greater opportunities than I do. Do you know that you see more people on a daily basis? Check this out. You see more people on a daily basis. You drive by more people on a daily basis than Jesus did in his entire life. We live in an area, uh, the, 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 just the, 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 um, the Springfield metropolitan area is an area of 650,000 people. And if you drive down to Hartford, and you go between Hartford and Springfield, that's over 2 million people. That's more than, than Jesus ever saw in his life. 
That's what he was talking about. You're going to have greater opportunities at ministry than I did. You're going to have greater opportunities to reach more people than I did. Some of you have jobs that take you from place to place to place. And you have the unique opportunity to represent Jesus to some people that if it wasn't for that job, you would never meet in your life. Remember what Paul said? He said, I planted, another watered, but God gave the increase. You see, Christian, we're, we're so worried about seeing the increase that we neglect the planting and the watering, right? The planting and the watering, well, that's where the hard work is done. We, we had a patch, our, our boys played football with their friends in the front yard. And for those of you who've ever had a yard and boys and friends, football in the front yard tends to destroy grass. So we had about a 10 by 10 section of our lawn that was doing a great job of growing dirt. So we decided in the springtime to take on the project of digging up that 10 by 10, turning the dirt over, raking it out, and then planting seed. Well, it wasn't easy. It was a lot of hard work. We worked on it, we turned it over, smoothed it out, raked it out, threw the seed down, we planted, and then we watered. And we watered. And we watered. And I was doing a wonderful job of growing mud. And we watered some more. And then one morning, after watering the night before, I saw, it looked like a 13-year-old before he starts shaving. Saw a little peach fuzz on his face, right? Saw little, little things popping up. And I said, I, I called Aaron, I said, Aaron, is that what I think it is? And of course, Aaron, she gets down real close because she could, she could still bend down, I can't. She gets down real close and she said, I think we have grass. I was like, well, that's good. So we started watering some more. And the next day, we had more grass. And now, this week, we had to mow it. We planted, we watered, and God gave the increase. And now we have beautiful grass. And of course, Aaron says to me, well, gee, well, gee John, that grass is greener than the other. We need to do the rest of the lawn. Ho, ho, sorry. Sometimes, sometimes you have to water and water and water and water. But living for Jesus with a pure heart and shows others and means that you believe that his promise is true. That if you plant and water, he will give an increase. You will see God. You will see the glory of God. You will see the blessings of God. You will see all that God has not just for you, because remember, go back to the beginning. It's not about what's in it for you. You will see God reach others. Christians, we, see, man, this is the root. This is the, these are the roots we're talking about getting back to. We, we've lost, the, the church has lost its way in a lot of this stuff. 
We got to get back to being concerned about our neighbors and friends and the fact that they're going to go to hell if they die. All that matters is them seeing Jesus. I can't make them choose. You can't make them. Kate, you can't make them choose. Mary, you can't make them make the choice for Jesus. Tiffany, you're a pastor's wife. Godly woman. You can't make anybody choose Jesus. But you can live that way. You can live in such a way that you plant and you water and you give them the absolute best chance to receive Jesus as their Savior. And folks, listen, Christian, that is what has to matter. That is what has to matter. Living with a pure heart, that's all that matters. Listen, let me, let me say this, okay? We can't do that so that we can have three services. Our motivation doesn't need to be we have three services on Sunday morning. And we're running thousands, so we can put it on Facebook how big we are. And so that we could build a new building. It's not about building the kingdom of new life. Listen, if God grows this church, continues to grow this church, continues to build this church, wonderful. I love it. Well, it's going to be awesome. You're going to have to get, you're, you're, some of you are going to have to get more involved, teach these nasty little kids. And uh, I'm not, I didn't mean, didn't mean nasty little kids, because I'm talking about your kids. Okay, these sweet cherubs that walk in here every Sunday morning. Wonderful children. I love them all. Mwah, kiss them on the head. <laughs> Melvin said he'd like to teach Sunday school. He said he loves these children. Sorry, man. Sorry, man. Just throw you under the bus. But that can't be our motivation, folks. Our motivation must be, must be to tell people about Jesus and give them the opportunity to make that choice. That has to be it. Not only will we see God in his true glory and, and purpose, he will allow himself to be seen in a more fuller, in a fuller and more meaningful way to those who seek him with a pure heart. And the true heart and purpose of the one seeing him will be revealed. You see, if you will continue to serve and live with a pure heart, not considering what's in it for you, he will reveal more of himself to you. And you will grow deeper and more passionate in your faith, and things will start making more and more sense to you. You ever taken that step of faith wondering why? Why is this so important to you, God? Why is it so? Why do you continue to bug me about this? Anybody ever had that? You're continuing, you continue to be brought back to a place of prayer and wondering whether or not you need to make this decision and move in this direction. Well, God's trying to take you to a deeper level. God's trying to reveal more of himself to you, more of his promises to you, more of his power to you. He's trying to grow you so that he can use you in a, in a more and deeper and more powerful way. And as we live with a pure heart and a pure motivation more and more, we will, be, we will grow closer to him and more of God's purpose and plan and more of God's power will be revealed to us. Luke 6.45 says a good person produces good fruit out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart for his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Psalm 24 verses 4 and 5 say the one who has clean, clean hands and a pure heart who has not appealed to what is false and who has not sworn deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Lastly, as we wrap this entire beatitude up, pure hearts, folks. See, remember when we started talking about the beatitudes, 
We said that this is about relationships, right? First four are about our relationship with God, and the last four are about our relationship with others. Pure hearts will build strong relationships. That's why we live with pure hearts. Relationships that are pure in motivation, interaction, desire. These will build strong relationships. If you're looking for iron to sharpen the iron of your life, make sure you're choosing iron friends. Just like the rock dulls a blade, friends with stony hearts towards God will dull you. Friends with stony hearts towards God will dull you. You wonder why you're not getting fed. You wonder why you're not gaining perspective of godliness from your friends. You're hanging around with friends. You've got friends in your life who are feeding into you dullness. They're blunting you towards the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, but I love them so much. Oh, they, they get me. You know who gets you more than anybody? is Jesus. That's that old song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. There's a verse in there that says, there's a line in there that says, though no one join me, still I will follow. Do you want friends or do you want Jesus? I believe with all my heart that if you choose Jesus first, he will bring the friends into your life that will make you a better person. He will bring the friends into your life that will sharpen the iron of your life and make you a better follower of him. Sometimes it's all about the people you've chosen to allow to breathe into your life. We'll be able to see others with pure love that goes beyond prejudice, preconceived ideas, and differences of all kind. Kirk Franklin said this as well, if we are the light of the world, no wonder the world is so dark because our light is fragmented. Church, he's telling the truth. He's telling the truth. My gosh. I mean, do we still have to talk about this? I guess so. We can't even get along. We can't even get along as Christians, man. I still have people that are blown away that all of you are not white. I'm a white pastor. I, I must pastor a white church. <laughs> Let, let's try to review what the problem here is, okay? The fact that you think that white people should worship with white people and black people should work with black people and those Puerto Rican people... Uh, they need to worship with Puerto Rican people because after all, that's their culture. Come on, man. Are we that shallow? Seriously, are we that shallow that we think that Jesus doesn't cover us all? That we think that Jesus can't unite us all? Come on. That's why we have different languages. That's why we have English and Spanish up there. If you want to sing your worship songs in Spanish, sing them in Spanish. Jesus, I, you know what? Jesus is bilingual. Seriously. New life. Can we serious, seriously, for me, please, from my heart, I'm begging you. Can we please put that nonsense to bed? Here? Don't be afraid to invite your friends of color. Don't be afraid to, to, to invite your, your 
Latino friends. Don't be afraid to invite anybody. We have somebody, somebody write a message to us last week and said, are a certain group of people welcome in your church? Listen, I'm not going to take the bait. Don't expect me to take the bait on that. I'm not going to address certain lifestyles or cultures or anything like that. What I am going to tell you is this. Everybody is welcome in new life. Not going, down, not going down that road, man. You're not going to... See, this is what happens, Christian. We get pulled into these cultural, political debates when we have no business dragging Jesus into them. We have no business dragging Jesus into those cultural, political debates. People are just baiting you so that they can make you, try to make you look silly. Don't let them. Live Jesus before them. Be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. That's all you have to be. There, may be, there will be a time where you have to stand and, and, and take a stand, but don't get caught up in those debates. And don't lower yourself down to where you have to justify why your church... Let me, let me make it personal. Don't make them... Don't, don't lower yourself. If anybody has a problem with your pastor, with me, I hate when talk, talk to third person. If anybody has a problem with, with my white wife and me having two Puerto Rican sons and three black, uh, two black daughters, there's two of you, right, Autumn? Two black daughters and one black son. You send them on over. We, for some reason, everybody in my house, except my boy, except the two youngest boys, love sweet tea now. Can't understand it. Used to be able to make it for myself, and I'd be able to drink the entire gallon all by myself. Now, literally, we have a soup pot. I'm telling you, man, it's true. We have a soup pot on the stove right now. Make it, and it'll be gone by tomorrow morning. I'll make them sweet tea. I'll cook them a hot dog on the grill. And we'll sit down and we'll talk about it. Because I don't really care. I want people to see Jesus. Listen, I want, to see, I want people to see Jesus so badly. And that's going to sound wrong. <laughs> I just want people to see Jesus. And that's why everybody is welcome here. And that's why everybody needs, that's right, Eric. Yep. That's why everybody needs to be welcome in your life. That's why you need to put the politics of the matter behind you when it comes to your faith. Listen, you can have your political stands. Just don't drag Jesus into it. Because what you do is push people away. The bottom line is that we're here for fellowship, for community, and people are literally dying from loneliness, hopelessness, and depression. You know that, I know it's, for those of you from other, from other towns, your towns are battling with the same thing here in East Longmeadow. They're looking to hire um, more school psychologists and counselors because so many kids, you talk to some of these high school kids if they'll, if they'll be open with you, and junior high kids, and a lot of their friends are hopeless right now. A lot of their, kids are, kid, a lot of their friends are suicidal. Just being a lunchroom monitor, I've had, so, I've had a few kids come to me and talk to me already this year and say that they've considered suicide. And what happened over the last two years was brutal to these kids. Our society is filled with people who are lonely, who are hopeless, who are depressed. They need Jesus. We have hope to share. 
We have the love and message of Jesus to bring to them. This has to be the purpose of our pure hearts, to bring Jesus to them. 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, keep, having one, keep, having, uh, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Whew. Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirs up conflicts, but love covers all offenses. 1 John 4, 16, and we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. Loving from a pure heart. Loving from a pure heart. It goes beyond everything we know about ourselves, and it goes, above, goes beyond everything we can do ourselves. A pure heart from Jesus. That's how we're going to be happy and blessed and effective as followers of Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Lord, we thank you so much for your word, for your truth, your promises. God, as we approach another week, we're faced with so many challenges. We're faced with so many um, difficulties. We're faced with, faced with so many choices. Lord, and nowadays in our lives, the choices are very obvious and stark when it comes to living for you. Lord, I ask that you will show us the open door, the way to walk that honors you. Would you give us a passion and a burden to live this life with pure hearts so that we might be effective for you? May we be satisfied with planting May we be satisfied with watering. And may we be satisfied with leaving the increase up to you. Father, would you bless us as we go? Would you continue to bless this church? Would you meet the needs we have? Lord, I ask that we might live for you and go forward as worshipers. In your name we pray. Amen.